Welcome, everyone. Episode 38 of the Health and Wealth Podcast. Steve Giordano here with a very, very special guest, Mrs. Samantha Chamberlain of FFL The Ranch. One of the coolest logos we have. And I'm fascinated with logos, so I'm going to start here. How did you get the name and the logo? Well, it came from our kind of vision. Cass and I were talking about, you know, what we wanted, uh, you know, our dream was to run Texas. And I know there's a few of you out there that are probably have the same one, Joe Miller, Gage. So we're all in competition for that, but we were like, man, let's, let's have like, when we, our dream was like, we're going to have this huge office and it's going to be this compound. It's going to be on a ranch and we're going to have all these cattle. We'll like, <laughs> like make it this like crazy boot camp, like ranch training center with like fucking cowboys and all sorts of stuff, like out there training scripts and like roping cattle i don't know we had this just weird dream of this ranch slash training slinners place that we were going to build so it kind of came that's where the name came from and uh of course we get made fun of because everybody always thinks it's like hidden valley ranch and we're like not that <laughs> my sweet assistant sent me a lego she's like like this and it was the label for the ranch dressing and i was like no gene not that <laughs> and um but yeah then the as far as the logo you know the cattle head i gotta give it to Cass. it was almost all him i had a whole different idea marriage comes in when you work together so i had you know kind of the picture of the the i don't know the little luck the good luck charms the little uh what are the horseshoes and then the blue bonnets is the state flower texas he was like really set on this cow head and i was like it's gonna look weird but then the our marketing department did a great job with it and i was like it wasn't at all what we put in the thing but when it came back i i swore i was like cast you changed it you told them to change the description because it was like almost exactly what he had described but i had to give it to him it looked pretty cool yeah it's very so, very cool that's awesome yeah so we'll kind of start here um are you originally from Texas? I am actually, but I have kind of a weird accent. I've traveled around a bit, so it changes depending on who I'm talking to. And your husband is as well? Yeah, he's from uh, North Dallas and I'm from Waco. Got it. Okay. So a lot of the times, you know, on this podcast, I like to, to really learn, you know, did someone have an entrepreneurial background before this or did it kind of come later on in life? So for you, what was your vision like when you were, you know, younger? Did you say, hey, I want to have a business or did you have a different plan at the time? Uh, I grew up uh, with a dad who was an entrepreneur. So he was actually a mechanical engineer and he worked for a company when I was first growing up. Uh, we moved, that's my first move was moved to Michigan. He got a VP position for a big company. Uh, Ten months later, got laid off in uh, like, I don't know what it was, 2003. So I was kind of in the middle of the manufacturing kind of economic crisis and uh, they gave him a great severance package. But at that point, again, he was always sort of entrepreneurial in his spirit. He had like the company before he'd given like, I don't know, something like 30 patents to. So he was like, you know what, I'm done. I'm going to be my own person. I'm going to use the severance package to start my own company. And he came up with this amazing design. All things were great, ready to launch. And the year they were ready to launch was about 2006 when nobody was buying any kind of automation. They were really investing in people. 
then 2008, again, just bad timing for his company. And um, I watched him for my whole life inventing and being kind of entrepreneurial. So I think it was kind of ingrained in me for a long time, but um, I always say like I had more of the AB and he kind of just had the C. And so I've been more of a planner my whole life and figuring out like, okay, well, if I want to do this, how am I going to do it? So um, I opened my first business in 2010, 12, 2012. It was a gymnastics uh, and cheer facility in Prosper, Texas, North Dallas. And uh, I had a very different vision of, you know, I, I purposely kind of put myself right in the middle of the gymnastics hub, like right next to like Woga and all these huge gymnastics places that were like monster powerhouses, but I had just a different approach and service offering. And uh, lo and behold, I was really successful and, and I really loved it. And that's how I met Cass, actually. He was uh, living in Prosper at the same time. Our apartment complex, is, we were in the same one. And that's how we met and kept the gym for three years and sold it to stay home with my kids. And uh, then Cass was working and we did that for a couple of years. And we were about to have our second kid when he was really just in that same place of like, I hate my job. I don't want to work here anymore. I've topped out like mechanics is mechanics. And I'm like panicked because I sold my dream. <laughs> I was like, wait, I, I opened a gym. That was my thing. And, uh, but I really wanted him to be happy. So we figured out a way, uh, well, the next step was how do we get to your next dream, which was going to be to be a pilot only. And, uh, the school he needed to go to was here in Waco. We were in Dallas. I needed to find a job that could get me from Dallas to Waco. Of course, I'm six and a half months pregnant. So everybody's hiring me, of course. I go to every interview wearing black, trying to like kind of conceal my enormous bump and uh, really wasn't happening. I have a master's degree in marketing and it didn't matter. I mean, nobody was hiring and nobody was hiring anybody over 40,000, um, much less to with a relocation fee and all the things. So I uh, saw one of those fun ads online for uh, op opportunity unlimited with a certain company and uh, went and tested it out. Cass and I both thought, man, this thing sounds like a scam. And uh, I was like, well, I mean, if it's a scam, they're not asking me for any money. I mean, what's the worst thing that happens? That's mm -hmm. literally how I decided to try it. And I uh, got involved with insurance and did pretty well at the other company. Unfortunately, they were a little bit dishonest about the process and they said I could move to Waco and that I'd be able to work leads there. And when it came, push came to shove four months later and it was time to move, <laughs> like household and everything. And I walk in, I'm like, hey guys, where do I transfer? And they were like, oh, there's no team there. There's no transfer. There's no leads, um, but you can work here and you can, you know, have anything you need. And I'm sitting here like, what are you talking about? This was literally the only reason I took the job. And um, anyway, tried to make it work from Waco, lots of travel. I was on the road like hundred hours a week mm. and he was in school now with two babies under two and it was just like not working. So got a marketing job and whittled ourselves into debt for a couple of years while he went to school. Uh, Cause I wasn't making enough. I mean, I was making good money and I had the job that had the title, right? Like multiple, I was technically a multi-brand manager for a billion dollar franchise company. Mm. And I made less than a hundred grand a year. Wow. Uh, so with three kids at this point, under three, mm. all health insurance and daycare fees, just, just, you know, I always say we looked like the Joneses, but we were living like basically negative paycheck to paycheck. Right. Like, mm. and, uh, by the time he got close to graduation and COVID hit, we were at the point of almost, uh, bankruptcy wow. and we were really like flirting with it. Like 
dreaming it might actually be really nice. And thank God we didn't because we got back into insurance right in the nick of time. And um, Cass found Family First Life. Again, he's usually got all the good ideas. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, and he really does. He always has the good ideas and he found family first life. And we did this, the same approach, like what the heck, let's see if it works. I mean, that's sort of how we've made our decision both times, but we went full head, uh, full steam ahead. And, and man, we've never looked back since. Yeah. Well, what I love about your story and thank you for sharing it is, um, that back against the wall, we have to make it happen. We have three kids and, and now I know they are not cheap. I, ju- I learned that this last couple of weeks, um, they eat a yeah. lot. Um, they cost money. Um, they're amazing yes. though. Um, but, um, when you have your back against the wall and then you had to make it happen. So I'll ask this cause a, a lot of new agents, it's always like, Hey, my back's against the wall and I got to spend money on leads or on like my rent or my mortgage or my bills. And a lot of times people, what do they do? They go and they put their money into their rent and their mortgage and then they don't buy leads and then their business fails. So yes. when you were at that point, what kept you saying and believing to say, all right, I'm going to buy leads and get on the phone. Well, what I know, and I'll, I'll, two parts, like what I definitely know is that, uh, I can control what I do. I can't control anything else and I can't, you know, we're self-employed. So if we don't have an opportunity to make money, we're, we're basically unemployed. And, And that, and that's been, I mean, that's even true even when I was working in my corporate job, I was always side hustling to make more because I knew I didn't control what I made at my job. I had to sit there for 40 hours or more, usually 50, and I never made any more money. So I can't control anything there, you know, besides my performance review and my, maybe my raise, which I was constantly pushing for. Um, But I can control what I do and I can control how hard I work. And I, I feel like of all the people that is a good example of that, it's you, right? Like you can, you make more, you help more families than almost everybody, everybody else in this company. And that's not because you're particularly special, but you can work harder than anybody. And you know that, and it's all what you control. And it's, it's the same thing. Like when you're down to your, when we were on our, when we got into family first life, uh, we were both already with the other company. So both 1089, during COVID literally had like no cash, like one, you know, one commission check left. And then we're like, okay, let's change companies. We have to get our ENO insurance. Like there's costs that come in play. Now we need to, you know, this guy, Jack, Jack Hughes telling me he's got to buy leads. And we were like, heck, let's just stick it on the credit card. Like, let's go. And then, I mean, it was never, I feel like I never had the thought not to buy leads the next week. Like that never came into play. Like it was a little uncomfortable to make that big purchase every week. But at the same time, it was like, I didn't feel like there was really any other option. Like if we did pay a bill first, then what am I going to do to make more money? I don't have any new fresh blood to work from. So it kind of, to me, just always made sense to do that. The best story I have for that is in July of last year, we were a few months into the business. I mean, if, yeah, about six months in. And things had gone well, but um, we had been a little bit, everybody takes their little break. We took a little bit of a break in July, a couple of weeks with family, bad call, you know, taking a vacation. I mean, even though we had done well, I mean, it came down to it, just all the perfect storm happened. And we were like, like needed to pay like six grand out in bills coming up for like, you know, our, our staff, some leads, different things we had gone going on in the business. And we had 1500 in the bank and no commissions coming like 1500 period mortgage about to be due everything. And I was like sitting here like, Oh my gosh, Cass, what do we do? And he was, 
just this point of clarity. Well, I think you're buying leads. And I was like, oh yeah, you're right. 1500 on black, seriously, like literally down to like our lot, like minus one tank of gas, bought leads in six counties surrounding me and just went to work for 10 straight days on like when I got about six days in whatever, I got like one commission check from what I had sold already, put it right back on leads, drove out to Odessa, did door knocking on leads I had that were old. That week I ended up helping 32 families week, like within 10 days, I helped 32 families and we were like, oh yeah, it works. But Hey, let's not take any more vacations for a while. Like let's get our business going. (laughs) What I love about that is I always like to talk with new agents about, all right, like we don't have a lot of money. Like not a lot of people are coming into this and they're sitting on hundreds of thousands of dollars. Cause if they were, they wouldn't be coming into this. So right. they get into it and now they don't have money, but they have time. So like what you did there, Hey, I have these old leads or leads in general that I've bought and I haven't been able to work and you use your time to then make a lot of money. That's exactly what I tell every new agent is either you're going to spend your time or you're going to spend your money. The minute you spend both is when wealth comes in. Yep. Like, but, uh, especially in the beginning, if you don't have a lot of money, you're going to spend more time on the phone. You're going to spend more time running around, getting no shows, seeing more people like working referrals, working old leads. You know, when you get a little more mature in the business, you can buy more expensive leads. You can save a little time on the phone, but you're still going to be working a lot, you know, and if you want to maximize and not just replace what you're already making, you have to be able to be willing to put the time and the effort, right. And the money. Yeah. hundred percent. What are some of the things in the beginning? Um, we all got a hell, like countless mistakes I made in the beginning. What are some of the things that you did in the beginning that were mistakes that now help you as you're growing a team, um, that you're able to pass on to new agents and say, Hey, like I, I made these mistakes. Don't make these. Yeah. Hmm. Unless you were perfect in the beginning. I was perfect, (laughs) you know, no, uh, I, it's kind of hard because, uh, I think about it. Like I always think of Dave Wichard. I'm kind of one of those things that like, I I jump into it and ask questions later. I'm like, I just have to learn on my feet kind of person. So I made a lot of mistakes in the beginning. Uh, but I think what, uh, what sets people apart is like still that massive action. I think that's the biggest difference, like that helped me get going quickly. Like we really did have quick success. People are like, well, it's because you're just a natural. I'm like, no, like I just didn't have another option. Like I didn't have a, like even the leads I bought, I wasn't great on the phone the first week. Nobody is. And so I didn't book enough appointments, but I just, Jack gave me these like ancient leads. Literally every single one was a bad phone. Get all of them. And I was like, all right, I'm going door knocking. Like I took the lit, I called them all like three times. They're all bad numbers. Like it literally wasn't even worth it. I called from three different lines, verified they're all bad. And I just went out and door knocked for two straight days. And I sat with some and learned what that was like to sit in an appointment because I didn't know anything yet. Mm. And then I set some, I got no-showed. I you know, figured out how to use Road Warrior or whatever else, figured out how the door, the little sticky notes worked, figured out how to answer calls when people call you back. Like all of that, like it takes time. Like if I said, you need to learn all this before you go out on your first appointment, it would take forever. And I feel like that's the big mistake people make is they're like, I need to know more before I start. And I'm like, no, dude, you got to go do it. Because if I try to tell you everything, you'll be so overwhelmed. You'll never start. There's like just way too much, like especially product knowledge and everything else. I mean, we've got some cool tools now, like uh, the insurance toolkit or whatever that a lot of agents are using. But I, I even now like still tell my agents not to really use it because 
they lose out on calling a manager and hearing some of the nuances and language and how you deal with someone who's kind of not all the way there on the sale and being yeah. able to talk them back into where they need to be. So um, I think, you know, trying to skip a step, so to say, in, in learning all the product knowledge and the underwriting is almost doing a disservice in a certain way because you don't, it feels like you shouldn't be, uh, and, and not to say I didn't feel the same way. I, um, I think the one thing I could have done better early on has been more coachable by Jack. Like I said, I was very much just action, ask questions later. And Jack constantly wanted to kind of talk with me and he gave me advice. But I, I remember co consciously thinking like, yeah, I hear what he's saying, but like, I'm going to do it my way. Yep. And I shouldn't have done that. I should have listened a little bit more and I would have probably been even a little more successful in the beginning than I would have been. But ultimately he was super patient with me and it ended up being okay. Cause he was <laughs> like, all right, well, at least she's out there doing something. I think he felt like one way or another, I was going to get it done. Yeah. I, I like that. Um, with, you know, those toolkits are great. Um, but I do think sometimes it gets a little bit too cookie cutter. And I think sometimes you can lose sales there where, you know, if you're more of a human, like, cause at the end of the day, you know, people are going to then kind of tell you that like, Oh, like I'm going to think I'm going to this, I'm going to that. Whereas if you can focus on the approach of like getting them to be uncomfortable and get them to the sale, you're going to take them to the sale. And then sure. The underwriting we'll get to the underwriting. You know, I think people like to see you work for them too. Yes. Like if you just sit in front of them and plug in something in a computer, they don't really feel like you did anything special. Whereas if you're like making a phone call and kind of looking a little confused, they're like, oh man, this, maybe this isn't so easy. Maybe, maybe I don't qualify as easily as I thought I did, you know? And it almost adds to the anticipation and the urgency of the sale, especially for new agents. You know, it, it's a, it, use your lack of knowledge to your advantage in that situation. Cause sometimes I know, I know too well that I almost have to play it backwards. Like, Oh, let me, let me think about this a minute. You know, I see these meds and I have to like almost fake it. Cause I already yes. know they don't qualify, but I don't want to straight up be like, yeah, you don't qualify for this. Like I want to, I want to make them feel like I'm working through it so that they see, you know, I had a teacher once say like with services, it's all about making the intangible tangible. And so that's what we do, right? Insurance is a service. It's not something they feel touched. They get a policy, but like, and sometimes they don't right now, America's is all electronic, but they don't feel anything. They don't even experience it because they have to die first unless it's a, you know, a living benefit. So it's even more difficult because you're really selling everything in your appointment is what's creating the value for that client. So if your actions and your words and the process don't convey value, then you're not going to have a great sale. I agree. Let's transition here. So there's so many great examples, power couples in FFL. Um, and, you know, having that support system that I think is vital. How is it working with your spouse? And how is that kind of yin and the yang, you know, selling, building and that relationship? I absolutely love it. Um, it's the best relationship we've ever had. Like we have so much in common and so much to talk about, even whether it's positive or negative, we're connecting so much more. So it's just a lot of fun. Um, you know, it, it doesn't feel like work when we're talking, you know, it's just our life. Our kids are involved like highly. It's really <laughs> cute. Winifred's like already an insurance agent. She talks about it. You've got to hear some of the stuff. She's, 
I've asked, you can straight up ask her like, hey, Winifred, if, uh, if someone's not being you know, successful, what should they do? And like, oh, well, I guess they probably need more appointments. And I'm like, yes. And she's like, probably needs to buy more appointments. I'm like, correct. And she's mm-hmm. like, I'm like, what if those people don't buy? And she's like, they probably need to get on the phone. I'm like, yes, you've got it, dear. <laughs> so she just hears all this language and she talks. She's like, mom, I don't want you to go door knocking. And she knows all these terms and it, it's really cute. But I would say like the, the ups and the downs of it, I mean, finding a balance and, and what works over time, everybody has strengths and weaknesses, but I think you can't, um, be, or at least what we haven't done, we're not real strict in our roles. So, uh, and that gives us room, right? Like if I'm just, you know, sometimes you can get burned out in sales and if you're overly in everything, like you can just kind of like tap out. And so what's been nice is if I'm like having, um, you know, too much, or if it's like, uh, the fall and I really want to be focused on the kids homeschool because we homeschool, I want to get them started, right. Make sure everything's going well. Then Cass can take over the sales part and the calling part for that fall during the you know, the morning time. And then I can run afternoon or evening sessions. And then, you know, so vice versa, like he's really good at talking to strangers and like doing warm recruiting. So everywhere we go, he talks and like adds agents to our group from just meeting people. And I'm more of with the cold marketing. So I I take care of all our leads that we purchase for agents and talking about the business. Um, And he's really good at like mentoring agents like people really connect to him I don't know if it's his military background or what but people tend to connect to him better I don't know maybe I just don't have that that bedside manner people don't you know they're struggling I'm like just buy more leads and go to work you're just not working hard enough and he's like nicer maybe but (laughs) you know we got a good cop bad cop with the agents sometimes like they'll call me for a while and then all of a sudden they'll stop calling me and they'll start calling him and I'm like I'll notice I'm like oh hey he hasn't talked to me in a while he's like oh that's weird I just talked to him yesterday I'm like okay. As long as he's talking to one of us, it's fine. Hmm. Um, but I, I think you can't, you, you know, the benefits are, you know, you get to build your legacy with your partner, which you're already doing with your family. So it just kind of goes together. It's my dream come true is working with my husband in this. And we really are proud to talk about it when we go out, but it's not always easy. I'm, I mean, there's always like just, you know, we disagree about direction from time to time, but you know, if you're like us, uh, usually when we disagree, it's for the right reasons and what I'm bringing to the table and what he's bringing to the table ultimately makes us make a better decision. So even though we have to go through that kind of back and forth on it, we end up making a smarter decision overall because we have a team together. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love that. I think the, the support of each other, um, it just makes it so much easier and you're very smart in the fact that you realize like, okay, he's good here. I'm good here. He's nice. And I'm the mean one. And I'm, yeah. and I'm gonna I, and know totally your role true. and kind of live there, you know? Yeah. So now um, as your personal production has, has grown here and we've gotten more into hybrid sales, which wasn't really necessarily, you know, the hot thing when you started, um, right. how have you transitioned to that? What does your week look like typically? I'm sure it probably varies in a, um, a hybrid sales world. Sure. For sure. When I started, we were hundred percent in the field. And then I get, we started doing hybrid in the fall of this last year, kind of like August, I guess, with the live transfers kind of got hot. I started messing with phone sales and then started taking a, a mortgage protection here or there over the phone. Uh, and then like, I almost on accident, I almost went hundred percent telesales for a while. And then, um, I almost feel like I lost something, uh, I was, you know, my closing rate was good. My show rate was good. 
it wasn't as great as it was. Like I probably was closing 75% over the phone in the beginning. And then it was slowly kind of trickling backwards, maybe like 65%. And I couldn't figure out why. I don't know what I was doing differently. Um, I ended up with a couple, I was like, had a really rough week, couldn't get some appointments, but I had some local leads. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go, I'm just going to go do these in person. I can't get them on the phone. I'm going to door knock them. I'm going to go old school and I'm just going to start getting on the field again. Uh, started doing that and getting back in front of people. And I realized what I lost and it was really what you get probably, probably why you're so good. Cause that personal relationship you get with people when you're with them and getting to really understand why they're needing the protection and who you're helping, it made a huge difference in the way I was presenting. I had gotten, I think hybrid's important because it keeps you from becoming too transactional. Mm. When you're on the phone, it, and if you're doing like live transfers and stuff, it can become very difficult to, again, going back to that uh, value, pre presenting value can be more difficult over the phone. You're not there, you can't, they can't see your face, you can't see theirs, you can't see the spouse's face, you can't see how they're interacting. So you lose a lot of things there. You have to be really concrete. You have to be very succinct and, and very simplified in your speech. And you have to be able to, you know, convey everything very quickly and make sure they understand it. And that, you know, they're going to go through with the sale and give you all their personal information. So it is transactional because it has to be so much control, but at the same time, you lose a lot because you don't have time to just sit around and understand everything very deeply uh, before you make a decision. So number one, I think hybrid's important because it keeps you human. It helps you have that human element. When I'm in person now, like my closing rate used to be like 90%. I'm like 100% now in the field. I never thought I'd say that, but I haven't been in a house I didn't close. Okay, until today. I didn't close one lady today and it's been like a month, but I was like, I just realized that literally two hours ago, I didn't close somebody, but I'm gonna let her go. I'm coming back <laughs> to her with something else. But I mean, I don't know what, what, and it was weird because I was like, what, I don't know what happened, but I think because I got so good at explaining the products on the phone, it actually increased my show ratio in the field, but my, in the field presentation and how I relate to people brings me more passion back to the phone. So my, my closing ratio on the phone's actually gone back up as well. So number one, hybrid is important for kind of keeping the reason for the season in picture, I guess, is a way yeah. to say it. Like, mm -hmm. But the number two, like you have to do both because you can't get everyone on the phone. There are just literally some people that will never answer your call and you can lose so much on your ROI in the beginning, especially if you're a new agent. If you're a new agent and you, your dream is to work from home, I, I think it's great. And, you know, build your schedule how you want, but I think you really have to be, I, Vivian had the best advice ever, run a regular in-person schedule and then add in a phone day on your weekend. And then once you know you have predictable numbers on your phones uh, doing sales, then you can start to maybe replace one of your field days. But don't just like decide I'm going to be on the phone because you'll lose money so fast you won't even be able to control it, right? Like you, it just takes learning. And unless you have like, like you said, cash flow to where you could just burn two or three weeks of leads. I mean, I think you really have to be strategic about how you add that into your process. Um, and then the last thing you would, I would think about hybrid is the benefits um, it brings is like my week, the way it looks, I, I still dial, well, I dial every day. So that's the number one thing. When you're in a hybrid schedule, you're dialing every day. And anytime you're home, you're open for appointments. So there's not really a time I'm off which can be a, I think I've found to be more of a struggle because there's yeah. less structure, right? With a field day, at least like I'm not here, so I can't schedule anything personal with a, with a hybrid schedule, you know, you're kind of like, 
doing this, that, and the other with your family. And then you're like doing three or four hours of appointments and then you're doing some with your family and then you're doing another three or four hours of appointments. So it's kind of like a constant back and forth, which can actually be more exhausting. <laughs> but um, the benefit is you can, you know, get more appointments in. I mean, I mean, I typically sit with like 15 or 16 on the phone a week. Plus I try to get in, in to see at least four to seven, like in person, if I can sit with. So I'm trying to do 25 or 30 appointments, like sitting with them every week, if I can, you know, between hybrid schedules. Um, it can be helpful if you're trying to build an agency, but at the same time, like, I think you do have to eventually find kind of, and I'm not the queen of this by any means. I'm just now finally getting to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm going to structure myself to say, I can't take appointments from this time to this time virtually, because I'm going to do these other activities for the business during that time. Because yeah. it's hard, like, especially working time zones, like you kind of want to be able to be available when someone else is available for a phone appointment. And it feels like you are, because you're like, well, what else am I doing? I'm here. I might as well be selling, but then you can lose time uh, in other areas of your business, if you're not careful with structuring your schedule. So I guess my advice would be like, talk with your manager and run your schedule by them and um, try to be flexible in the beginning, but make sure you're maximizing your ROI by staying in the field and then also taking phone appointments where, where you have to. Yeah. And you'd say on average, what you're probably helping 25, 30 families a month. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're putting in the time and you're doing all the things. And I think people like, I like what you said there about how you're all right. If you're home and you're dialing and you're doing your, your telesales, like it's like you're, you're doing that and you're kind of open for business like all the time. And I think that's what can get lost sometimes in the, the telesales. Like this isn't, you're going to sit at your house and sit in your pajamas all day and take three calls and protect 30 families in it. Like you're just not, you're going to, you got to work it which also leads to, you have to have enough lead flow. You have to have more leads. Right, right. More, Correct. I mean, so much more, especially internet. Like what we've been doing on our team, I think it, I, I, if I'm recommending it to a new agent, if someone's like, I really want to try to do telesales and they're just like convinced and I, and I really will try to talk them out of it. I'm like, look, go be in the field first, go learn about these things, figure out the underwriting, you know, slop through the application a few times in person where it's a little more forgiving and in-person yeah. appointments, just so much more forgiving versus a, a telesales and then go in it. But if they're just adamant, then I tell them like, look, your phone script is, Hey, uh, I'm here to, you know, you're going to go through it and you're going to say, Hey, grab a pen and paper. We're going to go straight through this information. Now, if that's okay, you're going to go straight into it. And if they say they can't, you're not going to book that appointment. Cause it's an internet lead. Typically our team hasn't had great success with booking internet leads for another day. So we just transitioned straight there, right out of Brandon Kitching's book from his mortgage. But we say, okay, great. That's why they allow us to also see people in person. My field day to take care of uh, people who aren't comfortable over the phone or available right now is tomorrow and Wednesday. Uh, what day, what time do you typically get off? And then you basically just transition back into a field script. Yeah. So my dial day could turn into a few sales, but it's not my focus. I mean, if they, if I get them and they, and they happen right. to be ready, great. If not, I'm booking them for tomorrow and I'm moving on Yeah. and I'm not going to stress about it, but I'm also not going to lose a lead. You know, if you're, if you're in your mind of like, I'm only going to do telesales and you can't sit with that person right then you didn't book, like, it's just a waste. You got to call them again and hope they're ready the next time. So we, we kind of take advantage of that. And, and we've had a lot of people really successful with that model because they'll close like one or two sales during the day, but they'll still book 15 for the next two days. Now, granted, these are dialing like eight to nine, eight a.m. to nine eight nine p.m. nine fifteen p.m. 
our best dialer dials till 920 and he books like five appointments between nine and nine fifteen. Wow. So and he, that's what he does. He he sells one, maybe two during the day, but he books 15 for the next two days and he'll go out and help six or seven or eight more families. So he's able to kind of take advantage of both scenarios there. Yeah. And I love that too, because what ends up happening is like you get that one or two sales in the, uh, the telesale, you go out into the field, you already got some money in the bank, then you yep. go do that. And it's just, and that's where you get the protect 10 families a week because things are just stacking up because you're actually working. And the other thing you mentioned there dialing from eight to nine, I mean, Hey, if, if you want to hit your goals and it takes eight to nine, like, so be it. You know what I mean? Like it is right. what it is, you know? Well, like, and especially if you're doing telesales, right? Like you're going to have to dial more. And if you want to find those sales, like oftentimes his phone sale comes at like eight 30 that night. Right. You know, he's been booking all day appointments all day. Cause you know, and, but he can also buy the cheaper leads. He can buy the three month olds, the one month olds, or even the instant internet. And he doesn't have to feel like he's losing money because if he gets to sell that day, great. If he doesn't, he's going to do it the next day in person. He's got a great door knock list that he's been dialing through and making sure he's been validating addresses all day so he can be effective with his door knock. So his activity days stay the same. Like if he doesn't have enough appointments, he's going to door knock. And if he gets, even if he runs into someone who's not available, he's like, great, well, we can do this today or we can, you know, I can come back tomorrow. He'll even do a phone appointment with someone after he's seen him in the field. You know, it, it's yeah. weird, but like he gets more synergy off of the leads that way instead of having, like, if you can, if you have to do full phone sales, you're going to buy more and you're going to get a lower ROI. You'll still get an ROI, but it's going to be like two to three X. Yep. You're not going to get that three to four to five to six X that you yeah. can when you go in the field over time. Correct. Yeah. You're paying for convenience. I like to say. That's smart. Yes, yeah. exactly. Right. All right. Well, this has been awesome. A real clinic for the the hybrid model. Um, I appreciate you. Anything that we can do for you, I'd be happy to, to jump on with your team. And uh, you're awesome. And I hope to uh, see you down here real soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. Enjoy the rest of the holiday. Take care. You too. Mm -hmm.